Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. You are a keeper, Father. But we know that you are wisdom, counsel, Father, knowledge, and understanding in our lives, Father God. So as we come to you, Father God, for your word that cleanses us, for your word, Father God, that is sharper than a two-inch sword, Father God, for your word that is a mirror unto our life, Father God, we just thank you right now today, Father, as we come to cover, Father God, this line, Father God, we thank you, Father, that there is no distractions, Father. We thank you right now today, Father God, that there is no frequency errors, Father, but we come to you, Father God, because we know that you are the Father that saves, Father, the Father that keeps, Father God, and the Father that is faithful, Father, for what you have asked for, Father. So as we come to you in our faith, Father God, we come right now today, Father, to recognize you, Father God, as the head of our lives. We come to you, Father God, to recognize you, Father, for having all power over the enemy, Father God. So as we come to co-labor right now today, Father God, and what you have called to be established, in our life today, Father God, we thank you, Father God, as we touch, Father God, every area, Father, Father, that you have called us to touch today, Father God, we thank you right now that it settles, Father, in the good ground of the hearts of your people, Father God, we ask that you help us to dwell on the good and the positive things in life, Father God, we know that it is you who examines our heart, Father God, we know that it is you that search the inner depths of our heart, Father God, and expose anything that is not of you, Father God, so we can be set free, Father. Lord, Father, where we have directed any anger towards others in our life, Father God, or held any anger in the inside of us, Father, we confess it right now, Father God, that as a sin, and ask you to forgive us, Father, and take away any anger, Father, heal any wounds, Father God, that have inflicted through any words and actions, Father, and any others in ourselves, Father God. Help us to speak words of healing, Father God, for we know that pleases you, Father God. Yes, Lord, so we just thank you, Father, where we have shown any anger towards any other. We confess it to you as a sin right now, Father God. We thank you for bringing restoration to every situation where it is needed, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that you will redeem our soul in peace from the battle that is against us, Father. We believe that you, Father, the God of peace, will crush the enemy under our feet, Father God. Help us to live righteously, Father God, because we know there is a connection between obedience, Father God, obedience, Father, to your ways and peace, Father God. Help us to depart from the thoughts of anger and vows from the depression, Father God. Help us to seek peace and actively pursue it, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that you will take away anything, Father God, any anger, Father, any hurt, Father, any guilt, Father, any shame, any resentment, Father, anything that has caused rejection, Father God. We thank you, Father, that you keep it and keep us, Father God, in perfect peace right now today because our mind is fixed on you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So as I piggyback on the word for Power in the Word Week uh, from Thursday's uh, message in regards to the power of the tongue, 
I don't know verbatim what it was spoken, but I know it, the message that I received was um, the words that we speak, how you can actually speak a word that tears a person down or speak a word that builds a person up. And before that word actually is spoken, there is a space or there is a time when that word is being stirred up. It's stirred up in your in your mind, stirred up in your heart, and it's stirred up in the root of what you're dealing with. And it presents itself as anger. And before you can even speak to it, it's how long you let it manifest in your body or manifest in your mind or manifest in your thoughts. And if our soul is saved as believers, we should understand that how deadly that can be, how destructive that could be, how unpleasing to the Father, he says to us. In Scripture, he says, anger but sin not. But even as we go into Scripture, before we go into Scripture, because I recently had an encounter, where in the moment the Father is showing us how powerful he is. He's showing us who he can find himself strong in. He's showing us how mighty he is. He's showing us how um, to observe, watch, and pray. He's showing us in this time that he is the God of everything and how everything works together for the good of those that love him. So back into the word that whatever you let manifest in your thoughts, if God has asked us to give us our soul or our soul has been saved, that's the way we think, the way we feel, the things we desire. That's our mind, our will, and our emotion. And that's the thing that, or that's the area that actually controls every decision that we make. So if it's not, if we're not saturated in that area or if we're not cleansed in that area or purged or shaken or if we're not actually seeking the Father for those things that destroy or comes out of our mouth, then that's a problem. So because I experienced it, um, it's like, it needs to be made known because as the word says, the enemy will attack the very elect. And in the position or the space that you're in, when you have to make that decision so quick and you have to understand that uh, God is powerful, God is, you know, um, he's working everything out. He's working everything for your good, everything that the enemy will mean for evil, he will turn it around for your good. And so in that time, um, I just was trying to move in faith towards the things that concern me. But what I did was I came out of faith. I stopped listening because when the anger set in, it became something different. It came outside of the will of God to actually protect what it is, which is my son. It's just, it's just, it's just resentful things 
of um, rejection, you know, that God allows us to overcome just for times as this um, because there's a lot of people that's dealing with in relationships, whether it's um, family, whether it's intimate relationships, marriage, whether it's um, the workplace. A lot of people are dealing with rejection and uh, they're being caused to resent things. They're expecting things and because they don't receive them, they turn resentful, but it's not made known because they think it's something that they feel or they think it's something, you know, that has been sitting there and they haven't dealt with it. So in this time, the Father's calling us to deal with everything. He's calling us to be purged from everything. He's calling us to get rid of anything that will actually affect or allow us to sin when we're angry. And not just when we're angry, but when we come into a place where we have to make a decision, but it's going to be for God, when everything we're supposed to do is supposed to be for God, or is it going to be for ourselves? Because we want the self-satisfaction that we feel or we think this is the best way to go about it. So as we go into scripture, I just want to go into um, the scripture um, that actually speaks about this anger as it is in Ecclesiastes 7 and 9. It was a great word uh, from yesterday because it actually just gave me confirmation of where. Because I like to um, focus on what it is that God is actually speaking through words. And when he spoke it and he gave the word yesterday for our sister, he gave it right on time because he actually lines word upon word and precept upon precept. And that's what I look for when I'm studying. That's what I look for and I'm learning to look for even in my doing and in my life. And it's like when we get to a place where enough is enough, when we get to a place where when they say death is always at our doorstep, but it, it can't dwell, it can't come in. Um, when we get to a place where he's calling us to actually make that that next move or make the presence for him to be seen, for him to come in, for him to dwell in the places that we go in, when we're the chosen ones and we're that generational um, uh, remnant, we have no choice. There is a choice, but as believers, we have no choice because this is what was ordained for our life. This is what we chose. And I'm in a place where I'm understanding the life that I chose. And it's not by choice. It's appearing that it's either I am or I'm not. And the things and the decisions and the situations and the circumstances that I'm facing, he he has already given me all power over. And the confidence that is being shown is that over time, he has already shown me the power. But as I step back and I come up out of the way I think and the way I feel, and I start putting my imagination on his manifestation, I begin to see who I am. I begin to see who he has called me to be. I begin to see the power 
of over the time and over the years that he saved me from the things that really concern me, how much power if I just trust him. So as we go into Ecclesiastes, um, we're going to go into 7 and 9. And it says, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. And when it speaks about that anger, it says, Say not thou what is the cause that the former days were better than these. For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. And it says, as I read the expounding of it, it says, The good old days are easy to talk about, but they may never exist, may never have existed. Sometimes we remember only the good things about the past, forgetting that those days also had problems. Instead of living in the past, decide to live for today. Live in such a way that you will look back on today as one of the good old days. And when that's being said, it's like I said, over time the Father has showed me those good days. He's also showed me the problem and the problem that still exists. And because it's a generational, it's a generational thing, each each purpose or each person that God knew before the foundation of the earth, he created them for purpose for whatever that, generational gap that needed to be closed for whatever that generational curse that needs to be broken for whatever that generational time or word needs to be established for whatever building that needs to be established for whatever restoration that needs to be established for whatever reconciliation that needs to be established he chose each and every person that we see walking on a daily basis that cross our path he chose our family members. He chose He chose Christ to be the representation of what that looks like. Even though we live in a world that we're not of, we're in the world but not of it, he chose Christ to be the very example of how you walk through this life and how you deal with these situations that may frustrate you, that may bring trials, that may bring tribulations, how you deal with these situations and they don't affect you. Again, the anger and sin not, how you walk as wisdom, how you walk with this counsel. He chose that in our life as believers, and we have to demonstrate that. It's not something that you just you just speak about. It's an action. You can speak about it because you have faith towards what it is that you're speaking, but you, at some time, at some point, you must be productive. You must be able to demonstrate and give the people or give those that you're actually dealing with the opportunity or chance to see who God is because it's only through God that he'll send you to a place or he'll send you through a situation to show his strength, to show how strong he is, to show if he say you bring all men up to him to show the men who he is through you. And then, and that's co-laboring. That's co-laboring with him. But in this time, it's like those former days. There's the former days will be greater than our latter days. In this time, if God is showing us right now today what we have chose, we have chose to deal with, 
we have chose to live for, we have chose to die for. And death is not just those things that's a physical death. We have chose to be more than conquerors. We have chose to be the light over darkness. We have chose to not be confused. We have chose to be overcome by our faith. Overcoming this world with our faith. So it's the things that bring confusion. It's the, the spirit of error. It's the enemy and every device that he has that he has given us the opportunity to stand in his grace and not receive it in vain. To receive his mercy and learn from what it is that he has called us um, or allowed to happen to us or allowed to happen to show forth what it is that we will and we won't do. And his word says if you be willing, he says if you just be willing and obedient, he said we'll eat the good of the land. And that's what it's about. It's like it started, I can go further, but I can go back as far as when it started, when sin entered into the land. And everybody knows the story of, um, Adam and Eve And When we Accepted Christ And um, The thing that God had Purpose In the garden Was to Never Have to even deal with Anything outside of his will That was before they made the decision to let sin come into the garden. But by us being believers and believing that Christ died for that same sin, we're able through Christ to be redeemed. He's redeeming that time. He's redeeming that time through our obedience. He's redeeming that time through our willingness. He's redeeming that time through the purpose that he's given us in life. But when those things that have fested in our heart, when those things that have been laying dormant, when we don't deal with those things that cause his word not to be of, of any effect, that's when we sin. That's when we are not fully operating in what the Father wants us to operate in. Because there's many places, as his word says, I have so much to tell you, but you can't bear it. That's one way that we can't bear it because of what we have holding on into our heart, what we have not asked for forgiveness for, what we have not settled, what we have not dealt with, what we're not being obedient towards dealing with, and what is still in us, what is still in our heart, what we hold in our mind, our thoughts, our feelings, and our desires, and we never receive what it is that is our peace. We never receive the instruction. We never receive the direction. He never orders us in that way when we don't give it to him, when we try to hold on to it to ourselves. And God is a very generous God. He's very generous. I've learned that um, he won't force nothing on us. He won't make us do anything. It's purely a decision. It's clearly what he said and spoke. He said, choose life. He put life and death before us, but he told us to choose life. So if he spoke out of his mouth, his word don't go back void, come back void, to choose life, 
then we have to look for life in everything. We have to look for life in every situation, life in every circumstance. Um, it's not so much as a lot of people saying the enemy is busy. He's doing exactly what he's been told to do. And it's just touching or it's, it's sad when you hear the believer. And it's like, okay, and God gave you all power over the enemy to tread over every scorpion, every serpent, to have all power over it. Even though he busy, he has no power. He can stay busy, but it's for the good of God. Everything works together for the good of God. Even those things that come against, even the opposition, even the persecution, everything works together for the good of those that love God. But as this anger has been fested in our heart. Um, it, it says in the scripture, it says, Be not hasty in thy spirit, for anger rests in the bosom of fools, in your bosom. Your bosom carries whatever that you're actually being called or you're actually being led to, to produce. In your bosom there is what it is that your heart actually carries. In your bosom, you have to be trained. You have to learn. You have to unlearn. For what it is that's going to be held or you're going to be held accountable for. We're held accountable for those things that we speak. And as we take a look at it, we can go to Proverbs 14 and 17. But if it rests there, if the anger that is generated or the anger that is not dealt with, it rests there, that causes those things to be stirred up and you look like a fool. You sound like We sound like fools. We look like fools when we don't receive what it is to actually take over or kill what is the root of everything that we deal with that causes us to anger. So as we go into, just to look a little bit further, into Proverbs 14 and 17, and it just speaks about It speaks about what that foolishness looks like. And we're going to go up a little bit to 12. It says, there is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Even in laughter, the heart is sorrow, and the end of the mirror is heaviness. The backslider in the heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. The simple believes every word, but the prudent man looketh well for his going. A wise man fears and departeth from evil, but the fool rages and is confident. He that is so angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. So that brings forth our ways are not higher than 
in the Father. That brings forth how much we can, in Jeremiah it says, curse the day and make flesh they arm, because they won't see when good comes. We won't see when the Father is bringing forth his word, bringing forth his power, if we are stuck in our ways, if we are in a way where it's seen as that we're doing right or where it's seen as that um, this is the best way to go. If we haven't seen God, if we haven't heard um, or been given instruction or direction to go forward with anything, when we go before God, this is what we look like. This is the rage that it brings. This is the the self-confidence that it brings. This is the anger that it brings. This is the things that we deal with um, when the wicked devices are brought into our pathway. We don't even see how it disturbs the people. We don't see when we're stuck in our way and we don't have peace in that area. We don't see how it affects things to come or things that's alone, that generation. We don't see how he places us for the birth. In my situation, when I was dealing with it, it's just the birth that he purposed. Like when he birthed Christ, that was purpose for the whole entire world. And he's given us that same purpose through everything that we deal with. So with my son. And I never understood it but fully, and I'm still understanding. And it was just the the revelation to receive that his birth was perfect for his generation, for his bloodline, in my family and in his father's family. But to be the one that has that calling upon your life, to be the one to have that, that, um, that to be the remnant and not know it, then you're left to your own devices to actually come to part with what it is, the life that God chose for you. And this is my son. And this is the things he's causing me to see, one of the things he's causing me to see, that I just have to obey him towards it. I have to obey God towards it. And it was one of the things I had to, it seemed like I let it go. But in that letting go, it was just me getting out of the way. It was just me not putting my thoughts on it. It was me accepting the fact that this is God's child. He had me to birth him, but I had to understand that I can be provoking at times. I can actually do the thing that's outside of the will of God just because I love my son so much. But it's certain things that he was showing me that in this situation that was deeper than the both of us. It's some generational things that need to be established in his on his father's side. And he's the remnant. It's some establishing of word, establishing of kingdom. It's some establishing of principles. It's the simple things that through his situation or through um, what the enemy meant to destroy his life that his family is now focused on. And I just know that when he gets that understanding and he understands that as if he comes to God and when he comes to God and he releases any resentment or anger that he has towards himself, towards me, towards anybody, towards anything, that it will just open up 
and they say, open up the floodgates of heaven, and he'll understand everything. But in his time of trial, or in his time of being tested, um, that anger, what it looks like, what, it, what it's destined to be, I just decree and declare, and I, I cover myself in it, and that's what I've been shown a lot, not so much of what I'm looking at, but who I am. And it says when God, when you draw closer to God, he shows you you. His word is a mirror. So when you look in the mirror, if it don't belong, then it has to go. You have to be released from it. You have to be free from it because it can't stay. And when he said it's like a two-edged sword, it's cutting up and uprooting whatever does not belong. And when you're dealing with something that's deeply rooted, you have to step out the way. You have to step out the way because it's not our battle. He just said we'll be victorious in it, but we have to have faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We have to know what it is that we're supposed to be doing. We have to know what we're supposed to be saying. We have to know when to be quiet. We have to know when to be still. All that that I've encountered just because of this one incident to go forward. When he say go deeper in him, the depth, the width, the length, and the height, you got to cover a lot of ground. In yourself, because there's things that's still there that was unknown, things that we don't even know about, um, that we haven't even seeked the Father for, that we don't even know to seek Him for, because it's over time that He shows us these things. And we have to be willing and obedient even to hear. Like we can't hear in a place where there's a lot of chaos, where there's a lot of noise, where there's just anger, where there's just thoughts that's just erupting and there's not a guy. You can't hear like that because you'll, you'll mess around and you'll just destroy the very thing that God is calling to overcome, to manifest because we get in the way of those things. But as we go forward, we can go to um, Jeremiah no, we can go to Ephesians 4 and 26 as we continue to still talk about um, anger and sin not and what that looks like. Um, the Father is continuing to show, or God is continuing to show the words that we speak out of our mouth, even those words that we decree and declare. At some point, they have to become a manifestation of our reality. It has to be something that we're built in confidence for. It has to be this thing where now this is a part of my lifestyle. It has to be this expectation. Every time you um, invite it into the blessing, every time we raise, you say, rise as the sun. What does that look like? Rise in the sun will be of your noonday. What do these words look like in the face of Everything that's being exposed in this world, everything that we're looking at, we walk by faith and not by sight. And those things that come to kill, steal, and destroy, they coming. They can't stop. If, if, if they stop, then what will be the need for us to be strengthening anything because we will already be living in that place that God has ordained for us. That's when it stops. But until that time when it stops, the enemy 
is doing exactly what it is that he was kicked out of heaven to do. And that's when you look at your life, like, do you want to actually co-labor with the enemy? Because he has some ways that he can actually give to a person or a believer and makes you think that those ways are good. It's everything outside of the will of God. So everything outside of the kingdom, everything outside of heaven, everything outside of um, the peace, everything that brings destruction or confusion, anything that causes you not to strive or not to actually hunger and thirst to be righteous. It's everything the enemy has been called to do, has been called to stir up, has been called to affect. But we don't want to focus on what the enemy has called us to do. It's nice to be aware. It's knowledgeable to be aware of it. We have all power over it, and we have to understand what that looks like while we're enduring. And in Ephesians 4, 26 through 28, it reads, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole no more, feel no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, and he may have to give to him that needeth. And when that is said, it's just expounding on it. The Bible doesn't tell us that we shouldn't feel angry, but it points out that it is important to handle our anger properly. If vented thoughtlessly, anger can hurt others and destroy relationships. If bottled up inside, it can cause us to become bitter and destroy us from within. Paul tells us to deal with our anger immediately in a way that builds relationships rather than destroying them. If we nurse our anger, we will give Satan an opportunity to divide us. As you're as you angry with someone, I mean, no, as you, I'm sorry, it's are you angry? Ask yourself, are you angry with someone right now? What can you do to resolve your differences? Don't let the day and before you begin to work on mending your relationship. That we can grieve the Holy Spirit by the way that we live. But Paul warns us against the bad language, the meanness, improper use of anger, the quarrels, the harsh words, the bad attitude towards others. Instead of acting that way, we should be forgiving, just as God has forgiven us. Ask yourself are you grieving or pleasing God with your attitudes and actions? Act in love towards your brothers and sisters in Christ, just as God acted in love by sending his son to die for our sins. And in that being just followed up and spoken, that's part of living as a new person. That's part of the old things have passed away. Everything that he spoke about, the quarrels, the harsh words, the attitude, when you deal with it immediately, it now becomes your past. Old things have passed away. It's now old. It's only new to those that actually have no part in it, was not supposed to be a part of it, 
who don't even know what God is doing or God how God is dealing with you, and that's what I've seen. It was only a new situation that arose for a person that had no dealing with what was going on, don't even know the purpose of mother and son relationship, don't know the purpose of having a relationship with God. And that's when sin came in. That's when the, <clears throat> just because I knew or I know this about the family, it's like when I went into the house and I went over there to see my son, I still had those things festering in me. And it only takes so much for one person to actually, as they say, hit that spot. And it was a spot that needed to be mended. It was a spot that I needed peace in. And because it happened that way, um, that's when the quarrels came. That's when the um, the actual anger and the the uh, harsh words and the bad attitude. That's when all those things came out. But it had needed to come out because I couldn't continue to deal with this particular situation the way I was dealing with it. Dealing with it with. I was expecting things from this situation that I was walking in resentment for. I was being resented for it was things that I can actually see where the resentment came from. But when the father deal with you, he deal with you on the accord. We have to trust that it's bigger than us. Because until those things are healed, until those things are delivered, until those things are rectified and reconciled, We actually can't even walk in the places and speak to those things that concern us because it would affect it. No matter how much it seemed like it's not, how nice we seem, how good it felt, you know, how much um, we believe that it was working, if those things are still not settled, it's not the most excellent way that God wants us to deal with the situation or speak to it or be present in it. If we show up and it's not what God has already done spoken for us to actually manifest, then there's something missing. And that's why I felt like I always had to go back and say something or I always had to, you know, make something visible. It was like I was just making these things up because I was never there or I never did look at the situation the way God told me to fully look at it. It went past me when I realized that. It went deeper into a generational thing. It went deeper into the root of why the family or why the situation is what it is. But I just thank God for being in a place to be able to see it because that's where a lot of my peace comes from. Um, and as we go back to the scripture, as we can go to Psalms 4 and 4, it speaks more about the Psalms of um, this anger. So in Psalms 4 and 4, it just basically says, 
stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. The lie. And that's the that's the purpose. That's the purpose of overcoming your anger. That's that's the instruction that he gives us. If we go back up to one, it says, "These how we overcome the lies of the enemy. God is able to defend us from lies spoken against us. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? The lie. But now, but know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. And it says, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. And we just have to get to that place where through anything, through whatever it is that's disturbing, through whatever trial and tribulation, if it brings frustration, if it brings that feeling of uh, any anger or if it brings the feeling of any harshness or attitude. We just have to make sure that where we are as vessels, where we are as the called and chosen ones, where we are as that remnant, we just have to sin not. We have to stand in that off. We have to commune with God. We have to listen for what it is that he's speaking through it. He spoke us through the darkness. He spoke generations through the darkness, but when he said that one generation didn't go in, to me it's like if I took responsibility for the multitude, then I'm going to make sure that whatever he's calling or whatever he has already established, the willingness and obedience that I have as the remnant that he has called me to be, or what he has called me to be a part of, as those generations cross my pathway, the blood will not be on my head. And it's the death of me. And like I said, it's not things that are not just physically dying. But I don't want to be confused about anything. I don't want to be in the dark about anything. I don't want things to not grow. I want to be fruitful. I'm I'm confessing my life to what it is that God has given me. And that's what I'm learning to value. I'm learning to value the life that I've chose. Those things that get in the way, those things that try to kill, kill and destroy what it is that God has set out for the heart of men is what I carry. And a lot of people don't understand that. But that's not for me to be angry about, I receive my peace and I keep it moving. But for those that do, he's given me a heart to demonstrate. He's given me a heart to actually help them understand what it is that I'm looking at. And even though we don't walk by what we see, the Father begins to show us why it is that it's like that, why it is that it's part of our sight. 
And when he shows you why, you deal with it differently. You deal with that person differently. You deal with that situation differently. You deal with the circumstances differently. You just have this whole understanding that it's far deeper than what you're looking at. And you have to go deeper to understand what it is that he's trying to get you to understand or trying to get us to understand. Um, What we know, we know in part. And as we handle any situation, it's according to what he gives us in any situation. As we handle these situations, he gives us the tools. He gives us the way. He's already given us the way. And I guess over a lifetime, I know over a lifetime, we'll always be made visible to the invisible. We'll always be made visible to the mysterious or the mystery that he's hidden from us on purpose because he wants us to come after him, for him to reveal it to us. He wants us to come after him for us to be um, mastery and skill and every tool that he gave us. He wants us not to forget that we have these tools, that we have this um, this power or we have this authority to even have a place or to be able to collaborate with the, the work that he's doing right now on earth. But we continue to look into that the way to overcome this anger is we go into uh, Psalm 77 and 6. And it basically says, we're going to start from one and go to six. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice. And he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran into the night and seized not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remember God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Thou holdest my eyes, walking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of the old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my songs in the night. I commune with my own ear, and my spirit made diligent search. And this is just basically speaking that we are comforted through the hard times by remembering God's help in the past. Recalling God's miracles and previous works can give us courage to continue. So even when this particular passage is talked about basically the anger, it talks about how until and actually hear what God is saying or receive that peace or be confident in what it is that you're going through, you're going to have to speak to him about these things. We're going to have to actually Pray about these things. And and in it is is five things that I just want to literally go into about how to understand just the principles, just to follow. Not really principles, but 
it's just probably an instruction that's given. It's five instructions that's given uh, when we deal with anger. So number one is to control your anger. Let's start away, start right away with the heart stuff. When people mistreat us and there's nothing we can do about it, we get angry. It isn't fair. Parents see it in their young children who are constantly on the lookout to make sure everything is fair. In Proverbs 19 and 11, it says, Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrong. Earn respect. What if the respect of men is in what you're after? This understands this in James 1 and 19. My dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So in that first instruction, it says to control your temper. The righteousness of God desires. We may be able to brush off the respect of men, but the righteousness of God doesn't go away so easily. In Luke it says, 6 and 31, do to others as you will like them to do to you. When we overlook wrongs, we treat others the way we want it to be treated. But what if the wrong is something really big? What if we can't just get over it? We still have choices. If the wrong is something monumental, abuse, neglect, criminal, then do something. Don't just get angry, but take action. Enlist the help of someone who can stop it. And that's number one. That's all about how you control your temper. And the second instruction is don't let your anger control you. God recognizes that sometimes we do get angry. Often we need to get angry to remedy a situation or to spur us on to action. And Psalm 4 and 4, as we went over, don't sin but letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. As he's saying there, to think about your situation and see if it merits getting angry. Are you saying something like, yes, it does, or have a, you have a right to be angry? Then that's not the way you go about it. That's the wrong way. It's being angry isn't a sin, but being controlled by anger is a sin. And in Ephesians, it spoke 46, 4 and 26, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for Anger gives a foothold to the devil. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. We have to find a way to work with our anger, work out our anger, pray through the anger, move past the anger before we give the devil an inroad to our psyche, to our mind. It's, um, it says something of, uh, in Psalms 30 and 7, 8. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. A way that we can actually demonstrate this um, as we're being led, we can do something kind for someone. We can volunteer our time. We can do what God is calling us to do that is good and forgetting about 
the person who's made you angry for a while. But you still have to actually you still have to actually deal with what it is that caused the anger. Um, the third instruction is, or third point is to pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for the person who is making you angry. Pray for the situation. We pray that our hearts will be softened and that we'll forgive. People can't change people. Only God can change people. And right now we need to be changed. And the person who hurt us needs to be changed. And that's what I had realized too. I realized I had to be changed in the situation. And that's the greatest thing when you can look at yourself and you can always put the blame or not the blame, but actually you can let the word um, reassess you. Or it's like the examination of word. Make sure it's not you before you get the point of finger. It could be the very thing that's in you while you're still pointing the finger at that particular thing, and that's the thing where the father was speaking. I can't speak to you in that position where your heart is. So I realized that I had to change myself. I had to change the way I was looking at it. I had to change the way I was responding to it. I had to really dig deep in my heart. I had to really go talk to God about it. Like I don't talk to him about everything else, but I'm learning that I have to stay in constant communication with him. Like, just because he spoke it one day, that don't mean I'm still supposed to be actually going after of it like he spoke it the next day. The model has its own words or his own situations to deal with. So daily, I'm learning to receive my daily bread. I'm learning to live in that present and with that particular situation I had to learn. Like, if it was happening in that area, my past always teaches it's happening in every other area. If we identify something in one area, just believe that it's happening in every other area that you're dealing with. But I'm just grateful to understand that it was me. It was me that I needed to actually understand how much effect that I had on this on my child, like how much effect that I had in order for him to see what's really going on. I had to step back. So even the person that was hurting, like you said, he needs to be changed, but as well as myself. I gave myself permission to just focus on now, and I asked God to change it and to get rid of whatever anger, whatever resentment, whatever rejection that I was feeling because I was being re- rejected at that time, like it's my own child. The words that come out your mouth and it says your tongue is the most powerful thing. For him to tell me when I get a certain age, this is just the things that he was saying that I had not took into God. God knows what's happening. He's seeing what's happening, but he like how long I'm going to walk around with that. And I let it fester. And I continue to move and continue to try to be this good person over it, but it still had did some damage. It says, ask God to change you and get rid of your anger despite the right situation you're in. Uh, Four is to forgive. I said these steps weren't going to be easy, but pray that you forgive the person who's making you angry. 
pray it every day, every hour, every minute if you have to. In Ephesians 4 and 31, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And this is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat the person who's made you angry with the same tenderhearted kindness that you treat your kids with. We are required to forgive as the Father has forgiven us. It is
a staple. If you um, have tuned into the broadcast, the broadcast number is area code 641-715-3670. Again, our broadcast number is area code 641-715-3670. If you would like to um, call our local number for any need of clarity, for any prayer requests, or anything pertaining to the ministry, as well as if you are, um, if you have a heart to serve or if you have a heart to be a part of the mental prayer team, we ask that you call our local administrative line, which is 773-609-2071. Again, that number is 773-609-2071. With the prayer request, uh, we will not return the call well. We will actually um, be praying for you throughout the mega prayer team. So someone will receive your request, and we will bundle our heaven for whatever the request is. So in the meantime, just thank God in advance for what you're requesting, so that we can stand in agreement with it. Um, but there is a way that you can actually make your request, your prayer request, known on our website, which is messagechrist.net. And there you will find the prayer wall and everything pertaining to the ministry. If you have not yet purchased the prayer shawl, we encourage you to do so as well. You can also reach out to us by way of email, which is messageofchrist at yahoo.com. And you can also reach out to us by way of U.S. mail, which is Message of Christ Church, P.O. Box 390762. And we're located in Chicago, Illinois. The zip code is 60639. Again, that U.S. mail address is Message of Christ Church at P.O. Box 390762. Uh, that's in Chicago, Illinois, 60639. We invite you to join us back every Monday through Friday for our 6 a.m. Mega Prayer Hour and also every Monday for Miracle Monday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and every Sunday at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time for our morning Bible study. This will end the call. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact us by way of any avenue that was mentioned. And we thank you, we bless you, and we thank God for you being a part of this wonderful day. Um, Take every word the heart, take every word, and walk out and be the fullness of what God has already preordained, predestined, glorified, uh, and corrected us in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great day.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.